Hello and welcome to the Tacona Morning Drive podcast. This episode, I'm joined by Helen Stanley, who has been on the telly, so it's quite a cool one. Um, we talk about everything from building cool cars, working on the TV, writing for car magazines, and a bit of mental health stuff just to sprinkle for some extra flavour and bring it right round to the Tacona brand. There is some swearing, so this is your advance warning, but otherwise, enjoy the podcast. record now so if there's any secrets that you needed to tell me don't that's say fine them yet. i'm gonna keep my hair yeah. away from my mic that's all right because I'll, I'll chop out any probably chop out most of this bit until i go i'm here with helen <laughs> but no oh are you okay on there you can yeah, sit i'm trying to find the, the sweet spot because there's a like there a is a beam the yeah it's a store it's got storage in it so you can sit on the actual sofa if you'd rather it's all right i can actually see you if i sit here yeah um Right, I'm going to sip my tea now so I don't make a load of slurping noise. <laughs> it's weird. There's, I normally have music on or there's a podcast on or there'll be music on and cartoons on the TV but turned down. Like, it's weird yeah. not having anything playing in the background. There's a certain amount of that that is um, kind of like sensory mm-hmm. stuff and there's a certain amount of learning how to be in a quiet environment is an actual, like, skill. yeah. Because we're, like, so used to having consistent, like, input, whether it be phones or media, like, and it's almost like a mindfulness to just sit and be quiet. Yeah. And it's really hard as, like, modern day people to do that. Yeah. Because we're so used to, like, constantly having information pounding at you. Absolutely. So it's probably quite good for you to have a bit of time without... Probably. <laughs> the only input is my annoying voice at this No, point. your voice isn't annoying. <laughs> the only time I don't have something going on is if I'm, I'm reading a book mm. or randomly I'm starting to do... Um, I'm doing like an intro course in, in um, parapsychology. My other half is a forensic psychologist, right? Right. So she's a doctor in forensic psychology. Her goal is to become a professor at a university, because you can do a degree in parapsychology. Yes. She wants to become a professor at a university where they teach that course. Yeah. So she can go and sit and listen to the lectures. Amazing. That's like her whole dream at the minute is to go and do that. I feel like I'd get on with her quite well. I reckon you would. (laughs) You've got the tattoos, you're into like the rock music, parapsychology, paranormal stuff. I think you'd get on really well. Yeah. Annoyingly, she's in Hertfordshire at the minute. (laughs) Next time, bring her up. When we do another one. When we do another one, we'll, we'll do it. Um, we'll we'll have like a day out kind of thing. We'll, yeah. we'll come up and go for dinner or something. Like oh, that. that'd be cool. Yeah, we'll, let's like be that. friends almost. Yeah, like, like grown ups. Yeah, no, um, that'd be lovely. Let's definitely do that. But uh, yeah, parapsychology. I'd never heard of it, and then she told me about it. Mm. And you're the only other person that's ever mentioned it. <laughs> that's so random. <laughs> I just but, uh, it's because I'm so interested in the paranormal, and you know, as we were chatting before, I love cars, but sometimes you just need five minutes away from it. Yeah. And parapsychology interests me, and I saw all these courses online. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do a really basic one to start with, mm. and if it goes well, then I can always do a paid one yeah yeah Um, but i have to have quiet for that and i have to have quiet for reading but everything else there needs to be cartoons on or just some background sound (laughs) to be fair if i'm designing i have a playlist of music that has a higher proportion of instrumental to it Ah. 
otherwise I'll pick up I'll, I'll, the words will like work their way into my head and I'll not be concentrating on what I'm doing but okay. I, I need the noise in the background to make me feel relaxed yeah um, so I can completely understand that I like, like that that's a so good idea to put instrumental like stuff on Massive Attack is a really good one for it yes because the, the songs they do have lyrics and things but it's mm. not heavily focused on what it's saying it's it acts more as a rhythmic background yeah so I think I've got one playlist that's mainly Massive Attack and it's just it's background noise that yeah. I can put on while I'm working put the headphones on and crack on with what I'm doing and then I forget to eat I forget to drink I forget to get to the toilet yep and then my other half's like you're alright I'm like I've got a really bad headache she's like yeah you've been sat on the sofa for six hours drawing <laughs> like, you haven't had oh, right, any yeah. liquids <laughs> she's like you've got no food in you you've got no liquids in you like, oh, okay. She's like, have you brushed your teeth today? I was like, I think so. <laughs> Maybe. And you go, yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't feel my teeth. So. Mm. Oh, I love it. I should probably mention that I'm sat here with Helen Stanley. We just started talking. That's how it always goes, by the way. I like that. Don't though. worry about that. Because, as I say, it's more casual. Uh, it's not an interview. Yeah. Because I'm not an interviewer. Yeah. And... I don't want it to be that dynamic. Mm. I'd rather it be casual. I'd rather it just be a chat that's more interesting and you get to see what people are actually like as people because hopefully as this grows, I will have more people like yourself that are known. (laughs) It's not just me and my mates that do bits. (laughs) It will have people that are more used to being around, not necessarily interviewers, but a professional manner of entertainment to a certain extent. So like you've been on telly and stuff like that. So... I don't want to try and be an interviewer because I'm not. I don't ever really want to be unless it's for a good cause. Mm. So it's just casual chat. And then it helps people realise that people are people. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the, the biggest things that I've found now that I'm kind of on the other side of the car world in that I work within it to a certain capacity when I go to events and things, you are almost perceived slightly differently because a few people know who I am. Yeah. And every so often someone will come up and go, I know who you are. And I'm always like, oh, that's a weird feeling. <laughs> but a lot of people don't know how to approach people who are known. So I was at the Sunday Scramble at Vista mm. and JK was there from Jamiroquai. I'll tell you a story about that in a second. <laughs> I don't know where this story's going. Oh, it's not that interesting though. All right, okay. Um, and one of the photographers that was knocking around is a friend of mine, um, he was like, oh my God, JK's there. I was like, hey, he's just a person. Go and say hello. Yeah. He's like, what? I was like, yeah. I just sat in the CEO of Kurt Geiger's singer. He's like, really? I went, yeah, because I asked him. Yeah. You just go, that's really cool. Can I sit in your car? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But most people are like, oh my God, it's, it's so, I can't do that. I'm like, he's a person. Yeah. He gets up in the morning and he brushes his teeth like everybody else. Or at least I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of like normal life that happens around everyone yeah and just accept that that's what happens yeah for sure and it makes that barrier a lot easier so with this if it's a little bit more relaxed as i have more frequent well-known people on it makes it hopefully a little bit easier for people to understand that Mm. people are people and the tv stuff and the the things that you see on in the media are like exaggerations and i'm learning that to a large extent as well because i'm now doing more like youtubey stuff with friends that do it a little bit more properly I'm learning that you have to really over-exaggerate what you're doing for it to look kind of normal on TV or on screens rather than me just going, hello, 
I'm doing this today. <laughs> it's quite strange, isn't it? Because it's, it's almost, as soon as you turn a camera on, yeah. real life just gets kind of like watered down slightly. Yeah. So you're completely right with the fact you have to, exa- everything has to be exaggerated. It's, it's quite odd. Uh, yeah, it's a really weird... It's like another dimension. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a part of it that is, from the, the other perspective of that, the person watching it is watching on a small portal in their life. True. It's a small screen in the room. It, they're not immersed in it. I imagine VR is a very different way to view media, but it's just, you're watching on your phone on a TV. So the exaggerations are like like dulled. Yes. So that's why the over-exaggeration that you have to do while you're filming it yeah. is like normal when you watch it back. It's kind of all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but my, myself and a friend had that kind of revelation. The other day. It's like, oh, it's just a little window into that world. It's not, they're not in the room with you when you're going, Hello! <laughs> I've never thought about it like that, and that, yeah, that's that that makes total sense. Why? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because I've talked for the whole thing so far, I'm going to let you kind of just give me. Uh, I'm terrible at knowing what people have done in the past or I having don't any insight. I expect you to know. But I, if I was an interviewer, I should probably have done some notes. Yeah, but as you but said, not you're an not interview. an interviewer. We're having a chat as friends. Exactly. So, so as your friend, <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> so. Shall I start? I don't know whether I should start now and reverse or start then and come forward. Start with <laughs> then and come to now, I okay. think. Because then we've got a nice linear path and then it will lead into when I go, so what are you doing next? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so when you walked in today, you were wearing Puma trainers. Yeah, which, I still am. Yeah, which you are. I really like those, by the way. And They're better when they're clean. <laughs> it's really hard to keep them clean in this country. And I said to you, oh, I used to work for Puma. So... I did. I used to be a visual merchandiser for a company called um, Free Spirit, which was part of Millets and Blacks. Do you remember Millets? Like the camp uh, I remember stuff? Millets, yeah. Yeah. So Free Spirit and, was and the Blacks, surfy yeah. side. Okay. I believe it's closed down now. It wouldn't surprise me the way that that high street is going. Yeah. Go outdoors, I've always got a closing down sale. On, yeah, like constantly. Mountain Warehouse. Unless you're the North Face, you're probably closing down. Yeah, probably. Um, so I worked for them, then I worked for Puma for a couple of years, and then I worked for Timberland, as in the yellow the boots. boots. Yeah. Um, not the DJ. Not the DJ. No, that would have been cool. But um, could have met Justin Timberlake. Could have done. Could have done, but I didn't. Um, and so, not a lot of people know what visual merchandising is. So, if you imagine going into a store, yeah, everything you see is designed visual merchandising. So everything from like the sounds to the way it smells, yep. the furniture that the products are on, the way the, the, way the products are displayed, yep. um, the way they're hung, are they steep, like everything. So it's like with Super Dry, how it's all like rustic and it's scaffolding poles yeah. and brick and like industrial vibe and everything's exactly. like made out of planks and untreated wood. And exactly. Like yeah. So every brand does that differently. And so there will be a, like a brand kind of value visually that you yeah. then need to make sure all the stores have and so if you're lucky and you're part of like a if it's, the company isn't too big you actually get to do a lot more yeah um and so and I did I did with with Free Spirit and then I did with with Timberland Puma was a bit different because it was it was so big yeah we basically followed guidelines so you know whoever's in charge of visual merchandising will produce guidelines they'll go out to all the stores and it's like make your store look like this because right. they have a message, yeah. you know. Put it on a white box. You know. Exactly. Fold it like this. Yeah. So basically that's what I did. Um, 
And it was great because I used to travel like random places. I've worked in Estonia. Nice. I've worked in, um, I've been to Israel to work, Serbia, like random places I probably wouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. If it was Adidas, you'd have definitely been in Russia. Yes. With tracksuits. Exactly. Yes, and I am. In fact, I do actually prefer Adidas. I'm wearing Adidas <laughs> today. So, and I've just, but you know, I've worked a lot in Germany, mm. a lot in Italy. Um, I used to work in Paris all the time. And it was just so fantastic because I was lucky enough to have this incredible group of people who I worked with. Yeah. And we became very close. I learned so much from them. But we had fun whilst we were doing everything. So. Yeah, yeah. But what was really great was... I've always been quite independent, but with that, you know, you do have to either get in a car, get on a train, get on a plane, and just go somewhere by yourself, meet up with whoever else is there. And it does give you confidence because you've yeah, got to kind of di- direct what people are doing. And a lot of English might not be their first language. And, you know, you're dealing with franchises and wholesale and da, da, da. So it's, in that respect, it teaches you so much. Yeah. It gives you life experience. It to a gives you extent. so much life experience. And when you're there, you know, you might not see a ton of the country, but what tends to happen is whoever you're there helping, they will take you really cool places. They'll be like, oh, yeah, there's this amazing restaurant. And, you know, possibly a tourist wouldn't know where that was. Yeah. So we'd always get a really nice insight into... You kind of get a, like a local perspective. Yeah. Of it, right? it was great. A lot of sense. We, I have um, like Spanish, like native Spanish friends in Malaga. And every time we go over, because when I was a kid, we'd go every year. And it's like my grandparents befriended their grandparents when they were ki- like when they were like in their 20s. Oh. So it's like we're like three or four generations in. Um, so we, my partner and I went, and it's the first time I've been on my own as an adult. Because it always gone as a family and now I'm an adult, I can do things on my own. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to Malaga and we met up with like my like Spanish auntie. Like she's the same age as my auntie, but we're not related. But she, when I was a kid, she would like take me around the city and that kind of thing. So I finally got to meet up and see her for the first time in about 10 years. I was like, I want to go and get tapas and I don't want to go to a like the restaurant that all the tourists are going to. Yeah. So she went, right, let's go around the city and I'll show you all the local spots that I took you to when you were a kid so you can have all those experiences again. So we went to a, there's a, a very big indoor market and there's a tapas place in there and it's where all the locals eat tapas. And I was like super excited. Went and had the tapas. My other half, who is very white, is not used to tapas in that regard. Like, we like, we'll go to like Las Iguanas or something like that. Yeah. And there's always quite a variety in there. Yeah. And I'm always straight to the seafood. I love Mediterranean seafood. Right. So we went for this tapas and we had fried baby squid, uh, basically fried anchovies, um, garlic prawns, um, cuttlefish, mm-hmm. and. Um, like slow roasted vegetables. That sounds amazing. It was amazing. The problem was my other half wouldn't eat the baby squid because they look like tiny baby octopus. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, they look like cute little baby octopus. I can't eat that. She wouldn't eat the anchovies. She doesn't like the... <laughs> so she oh, just no. ate bloody roasted vegetables for her lunch. Oh dear. And I was sat there going, this is the best thing in ever. Because <laughs> it was that like authentic, like yeah. local experience. Like, So to have that in so many places would have been amazing. Yeah. It, and, and just... You know, I used to just get on a plane and just go by myself to these places. Mm. And, yeah, it was brilliant. You just And the thing is, being a visual merchandiser, you learn... Because you work with the designers, um, branding, marketing, PR, 
um, retail from a commercial side. You're right in the middle. You have to make all of those things work together. So you learn an awful lot about a lot. Yeah, yeah. And those skills are transferable, very much so. And so I think, you know, the the career I had for the 10 years that I did it, you know, I I learned an awful lot. It was brilliant. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Good times. Someone that I'm going to have to ask for advice when Tacona grows a bit more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. How do I merchandise this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brand it better. Like, it's literally just me bumbling around going, this looks cool. We'll put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. We should do, um, we'll do a collaboration and I'll do like a design for one of your t-shirts mm. or something. Well, I do um, a t-shirt of the month. So they're limited yeah. editions, only available for one month. And the one that's about to come out, and it will probably be out by the time this comes out, is done by a, a car artist. Yeah. So he's hand-drawn it. Well, I say hand, with his iPad. Yeah. It's still hand-drawn, but yeah. he's not had to use a rubber when he makes a mistake. Um, so he's doing a contributed one for me. My partner's dad is a graphic designer, so he did last month's Ooh. one. So it's something that has a... It's already establishing that kind of platform to be able to do that as well. That's really good. So that would work really nicely to, yeah. to go we'll with that. that. Um, we can capitalise on you being such a megastar. Probably <laughs> sell a few a megastar more. at all. But I, would, I love drawing and designing and things. I always have. Mm. I get that from my dad. Um, it, which is also, he's where I get cars from because he's a yeah. big petrol head. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do you a That'd t-shirt. That'd be amazing. So let me know. Um, I can give you this, the parameters for how it... The parameters are, we work with, I think it's eight colour screens. Mm-hmm. So we can only do eight colours. Yep. Which gives you a relative amount of quite flexibility. quite a lot, yeah. Um, but it wasn't until the last one that we found out the limits of it because we had shading and because it was a oh, proper... yeah. Yeah, so you, you do have to be quite smart with how you use the okay. the colours. But the, the design that we started with for February was a very high fidelity, like, drawing. Yep. And I sent it to the printer and went, can we actually do this? And he was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we could do eight colours. So I sent it back and we almost cartoonized it. It's kind of cool though. Yeah, which it really simplified it and softened the edges and it made it more block colour. Yeah. And it made it really pop. Like yeah. it, the, the car jumped off the background a lot more. And we, we all went, I actually prefer that now. Yeah. <laughs> so it really worked. <laughs> but we, we found that that was the limit of it. So the parameters are basically it has to have like a, a background that's on theme to the design. Yeah. And that's it. And it has to say it's okay to talk. That's all it needs. And I'll add the logo in afterwards. Wicked, um, all right. So that will be the, the whole parameters for you. Cool. Um, so sneak preview for this one is it's a Lego Lamborghini Countach. Oh my God, that's cool. Yeah, so... I'm going to have to get one of those. I'll, I'll give you the backstory as to how this one is happening. So the, you know the Audi Quattro Lego kit you've got in there? Yes. Um, Alex Goy bought one in the lockdown. And I saw that and I bought one. Yeah. And I was like, these are really cool. And they are very cool. I took the box art, redrew it myself, put it on a t-shirt... And Alex Goy and Henry Catchpole bought one. Like, unprompted. It wasn't like I went, oh, I'll send you one for free or anything like that. They both yeah. just bought one. Because they went, we really like what you're doing and we like the design. Mm. So it makes sense. This was back when I kind of first started. And the quality of the t-shirts was shit, basically. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to add in the intro about the swearing thing. Because I'm always terrible for that. Um, so they both really liked the design. They bought one, put photos up and this and the other. I sold about 20 of them. Which was like a huge... Thing for that's me. really good it's amazing i was like oh my god they're influencers and they <laughs> so that's where it kind of started and since then the quality has gone because i used to do sublimation printing which was like heat press but it bonds to the material yep. but you can only do it on white so i could only do white okay. t-shirts and the t-shirts that we were using they have to be 
like 80% polyester. So they weren't as nice. Mm. But you could have whatever you wanted printed on it and you could do them one at a time because you basically use like a fancy inkjet okay. to print on this special paper and it bonded it. So it was quite functionally quite handy, but in reality a bit naff. So then I sent them both one now that I'm screen printing say thank you. Like, I appreciate that you just bought one. You didn't have to do that. I would have sent you one. And they yeah. both went, well, we like what we're doing. We'd rather have bought one. Yeah. So I sent them one like this with it screen printed. And then the Lego Kuntash kit has just come out. And I, Alex Goy shared it and he went, oh my God, Lego Kuntash. And I went, shall we do another t-shirt to match the one that you had? And he went, all over it. And then Terry went, I'll draw that for you. Amazing. So it's like brought everyone together again, which That's cool. really speaks to the spirit of the brand of bringing everyone together. Yeah, definitely. But it was purely off the back of in the lockdown. I was like, I'm just going to draw that box art. That looks cool. And then it, it turned into this cool little story that brought people together. Um, but Henry wore the T-shirt that I sent him in a Carfection video. Nice. That got like a million views or something like that, like That's overnight. Good. So I sold a load of them. Like my, my analytics for the website, like they bumble along. And then the day his video went out, they like spike. <laughs> and then I get like two days of high traffic and then they go straight back down and bumbling <laughs> along again. So I text him and said, I've got some really bad news, mate. He's like, what? what? I've sold a few t-shirts because of that video, which technically makes you an influencer. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm going to have to change my Instagram bio. Oh, no. And it was just like, it was really funny because between a few of my friends, we've got this like internal joke that we just call each other influencers. Yeah. Now that we've all got a few thousand followers on a few different yeah. things. And it's just becoming this much bigger, growing joke between us all. I like that. And the followers that we do have are all now getting involved in it. <laughs> and we're like, we're accidentally forcing ourselves into a position of influence at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like 10 years time, we'll actually be influencers. And we're like, oh crap, this was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> so speaking of influencers, you have loads of followers on Instagram. <laughs> um, so what happened from the visual motion? I'm just going to say VM. You started in VM. Yep. Then where did you go after that? So, so my my background from like education is, is art, okay. design, all that stuff, and I um I did do a course in media production as well, which was quite nice. It kind of tied all that stuff into yeah. technology a little bit, and then yeah, I was a visual merchandiser for a very long time. Whilst I was doing that, I started a blog. Back when not everybody had blogs, yeah, so it was for those kind of people a under twenty. A blog is like yeah. written. Yeah, it's written. It was before Instagram was so popular and yeah. you kind of don't need them now. But So I had a blog um, and I used to do shoots and write about stuff. I'd go to um, Fashion Week, Men's Fashion Week. I just used to, because I had a lot of confidence from doing visual merchandising, Yeah, yeah. I would be like, can I come and watch the show? I'd be like, yeah, okay. And you can speak the language that's within yeah. that industry quite well as well, can't you? So I kind of, it, it ended up, it was a hobby, but then I actually went freelance and that was the main thing I did, Yeah, which was really nice because then I could go to Fashion Week, I could go to all the press events and I built up a really great kind of group of contacts of these amazing people. Yeah. And, you know, they used to be like, oh, do you want to come along to this? Because I was really good at sharing things taking lots of pictures making sure I really described what's going on and then I ended up doing that in a freelance way for other people so I had some articles that um, went onto these kind of like online journal blog things in America about interiors because with visual merchandising you have to work with interiors as well it's so broad yeah you you really do have to have a big 
creative knowledge base. It explains why your living room is so lovely. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and it's done very cheaply because obviously visual merchandising, you have a budget. And if it's a smaller company, yeah. it's a very small budget. Um, so, you know, it was brilliant. I learned so much. And like I said, I went freelance and I was sort of writing blogs for other people, doing my own. I was doing a lot of styling for like music videos, for fashion shows and things like that. Because again, in visual merchandising, you have to dress mannequins. Yeah, yeah. You have to, if there's a photo shoot for some graphics, you have to style them. Yeah. So it's one of the other things you have to be able to do, which, you know, it, on its own is a thing. So, <laughs> so then I was doing that. It was really great fun. And then randomly, um, so my partner at the time and I decided, you know, we absolutely love cars doing work on our own cars but we're like do you know what i feel like we should do something gas monkey-esque yeah with british and european classics and so we did um built the cortina that's out there so you would have seen that when you came in really needs a wash (laughs) it's quite embarrassing how dirty that car is and you know to cut a long story short we were kind of doing that whilst i was doing my freelance stuff which enabled me to do it because obviously your time is flexible and then this production company rang because I'd got this Cortina. It's a Mark II Cortina, four-inch roof chop. It's been de-seamed, de-bumpered. It's got, the, it's got four doors, but the back doors are on poppers. It's, oh, nice. So it, it's completely changed. Yeah. It's almost simplified it. So when you take all the bumpers off of a car like that, you're left with these incredible lines that are normally covered up. Yeah. So you literally have to strip it and start again, which is what I did in visual merchandising. You would start with a blank wall or whatever and build it up with what you've got. Yeah. So as I was saying, the skills I learned were transferable and it it transferred perfectly onto cars. Although not a lot of people understand why they're like, that is not a connection. I'm like, really? It is though. (laughs) We have to be able to conceptualise an image. Yeah. It's probably the, the biggest transfer is you have to be able to go, we have this thing to start with. We want to take it somewhere else and be able to see what it could be and work to yeah. that future vision. If, and, and if you're creative, you're creative. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and yes, okay, you might specialise and be better at one thing or another, but it is, it's quite broad. And so this Cortina was in all these magazines and things like that, which was great because I made some lovely contacts who are still my good friends today. Yeah. Who you know put my car in magazines and they're now editors of magazines, so I write for them. It's it's worked out really well. And this production company rang and we're like, oh, we've seen your Cortina. This is kind of what we want to create on TV. Right. You want to come and have a chat with us? And I said no. I'm far too busy. I don't. I've no interest in being on TV. Yeah. Um. You know, with my blog, I was always behind the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um. When I did visual merchandising. Um. Uh. Sorry, media production. I was always behind the camera. So it was always creating something rather than being part of yeah, yeah. the vision. Then they rang me another six months later and they were like, look, we really want to talk to you. <laughs> Can you come? I was like, for sake. I was like, all right. By that time, I'd learned a more, few more practical skills like welding. Yeah. Um, you know, I was doing more hands-on stuff with the cars. So I felt a bit more confident. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I will. I'll come and talk to you see what you've got to say and then that turned into goblin works garage wow so the rest is kind of history i mean obviously that's very condensed yeah yeah. well feel free to elaborate a bit on the rest is history yeah well so 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 then i started doing goblin works because it was so full-on yeah and it went on for about a year it wasn't supposed to it's supposed to go on for a couple of months right but it it 
kind of overran massively, I had to give up all my freelance work. Right. So I actually was worse off. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, how hard was it stuff? to re-establish yourself freelance after that? Oh, I couldn't. Right. I had to. It was once you're gone, you're gone. In, in especially in the fashion side of things, because you know, if you're no longer at Fashion Week, you no longer got your finger you on the pulse. Quickly get that not gap relevant. is filled, isn't it? But to be honest, I think um, fashion. Had, I was got. I'd, I'd become fed up of it, and that's why I was looking more towards cars, the car industry, and the car community. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll tell you an example of. I used to mix um, with my styling. I used to mix alternative fashion with designer high street and vintage so it doesn't matter what it is you can build nice things yeah and i went to, i used to go to this trade show and i cannot remember what it was called <laughs> but it was an alternative trade show fashion show yeah so the, the nature of that is everybody looks different and they you know that's what's so inspirational that's about the idea it. behind it really, absolutely it? Yeah. so you get yeah fantastic designs really incredible silhouettes amazing people i used to love going to it and then it was a third or fourth time it was happening and i messaged the girl who was in charge of it and i was like oh what what's happening with whatever it was called i can't remember i think it was called london edge and she said oh um yeah we've already sent the invites out um we're kind of looking for a certain look for the block i was like are you kidding me right now the whole point is this is an alternative trade show it doesn't fit in boxes it doesn't fit in boxes you've just put it in in you said you you know if basically if you don't have pink hair if you don't have this that and the other yeah you can't come because you're not alternative enough you're too normal you're too normal (laughs) and you know i was i had like white bleached hair and and yeah. more kind of rock and roll stuff I, I didn't really look normal to be fair i i have a similar so my family are it's quite chaotic the the long story short is there's me and two of my cousins are about the same age and we've been through some very similar experiences right mm-hmm. Now, one of them is, he goes to the gym all the time, he's always leather jacket, like proper like rocker looking, yeah. he's a barber, he's got tattoos all over there and in this general area, and <laughs> he, like, he very much wears his personality outwardly onto yeah. it, like it's very clear like, I know what that guy's all about because yeah. of how he looks. And his sister, very similar, tattoos, um, she's, she's gay and it's very clear that she's gay, she's mm. got like... The, the stereotypical like shaved hair and the undercoat and yeah. the, the vibrant coloured tattoos and this and the other. Awesome. And then I look like me and I don't have any tattoos and I have a very boring normal haircut and I wear glasses and I wander around in jeans and a t-shirt most of the time. But all three of us have the exact same amount of like, we all listen to really heavy music and yep. we love a mosh pit and we yep. like like really crazy random crap and I'm big into like mixed martial arts and rock climbing and extreme sports and things oh, like wow. that. But to look at us, I'm the normal kid and those two are they're clearly the alternative kids. Mm. But in reality, we're all very similar. Yeah. But because I don't fit in that box, you wouldn't assume that I was that kind of person. Yeah. So I turn up at like a, a proper like metal gig. 
and I'm the only person there that doesn't have a tattoo all down my arm. I was going to say, if you're probably more individual now because yeah, you yeah. don't have a tattoo. Exactly. Like, so I, I get in the mosh pit straight away and I'm crowd surfing and all that. And I look the least likely to do any of it. Um, <laughs> That's so good though. Yeah. I, I'm, I've role reversed the alternative like side that, of yeah. things. Um, but I can completely understand with what you're saying in that you don't fit in the category that they it's expect for alternative. Exactly. And I just thought, do you know what? I, do, I don't want this. It, it's become very vapid and I just don't want this in my life right now. Um, and so I just literally put all my energy into cars. Yeah. And, and that's where... So that's where, you know, the project with the Cortina came along. And, yeah, of course. And like I said, ended up with Goblin. And then there was another series of Goblin... And then there was... Well, the second series was strange because it was actually... It was two series. Yeah. Because we filmed so many, but they released it kind of like a first half and a second half. Right. So, so it's it kind like of three extended, series, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I did a show called I'm Not Driving That with Ali A, who's a YouTuber. And it was basically a custom car show, so similar. Yeah. On BBC iPlayer, and it was aimed at first-time drivers. Right, okay. So it was actually technically a kids' show. Yeah. And it was they were very different customs. It was a lot of bolt-on stuff and wraps and wheels and yeah, rather yeah. than, you know, fabrication and things like that. Yeah. And that was brilliant. I loved it. Did two series of that. Then, so did that. Then did Goblin again. Um, and then did Motor Pickers, which is a, like a consumer show I do with a really great guy called Paul Cowland, where we help people find the right He's car for them. He's from Nottingham Way, isn't he? He is, yeah. So he recently had um, a 3D printed plastic part made by a guy called Tim Oldham. Okay. Who's down um, Brentwood, Essex Way. Right. Um, he used to do the videos for BOTB. Okay. So he was he wasn't the guy that go you've won this. He was the other guy that would explain a bit more about it and it was okay. a little bit more journalistic. Um but Tim made a custom I say custom. He remade a plastic gasket for the carburetor on my Renault. Okay. But he was like I've just got to wait for Paul Cowland to send me his so I can build them all in one go. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm connected to that guy in like a really <laughs> random way." <laughs> Paul's amazing. You I should... think I met him a few like this was back before any Tacona stuff or anything like that. There was, um, I think it was when Motor Pickers was kind of starting. Okay. There was like an open day at, I can't remember where it was. It was in Nottinghamshire. And it was a place that did detailing and fabrication and had a paint booth and this, that and the other. Like the, like the place that all petrol heads would love to own. Yeah. Um, and they had like an open day to cool. show place, showcase the place and also kind of announce that this thing was happening. Yeah. And I met him there and obviously I didn't know who he was. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be on the telly. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then years down the line, we've got a connected friend and now connected with you. Small world. That's how the car world... No, they say there's six degrees of separation. Yes. The car world is three. Yes, I would totally agree with that. It's, or you, or if you're into cars, you'll always meet someone that you know, like have common interests with. Yep. And I love that. <coughs> I'm not going to be able to cut that out because I don't go through it. Don't worry. For that cough staining. that's fine. But yeah, Paul's a great guy. He's definitely one of my best friends and he is so funny. Um, we kind of forget why we're at work. Yeah. We just, you know, we take the mick out of each other so much and it, there's so much banter and it's it's an incredible crew. Yeah. And it's the same production company that I did um, I'm Not Driving That and Goblin with. Amazing. So you have so those established. We're just like, we've known each other for years and it's just lovely. It's like, it's like a family. Amazing. And I did another show with them, 
which was over lockdown, which was kind of like a talking head show called World's Greatest Cars. All right. So all of this stuff is available on Discovery Plus. But I think they do repeat a lot of it on Quest. Right. And then the BBC iPlayer thing is on iPlayer. I think yeah. it's still on there. If it's still there. If it's still there. I think it is. And um, that was great because it was a case of, you know, because of COVID, there's so much was restricted so they made the show with a lot of archive footage right and then we would talk to them over the phone we'd kind of establish like the interview part and the questions and answers and then they'd come out and they came out and we filmed in the workshop oh wow because you could do it at a social distance so it's very clever how they managed to do it yeah and it was so funny (laughs) because we're basically all arguing with each other (laughs) from a distance oh that's brilliant so paul's in that Drew Pritchard's in that. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Jimmy from Goblin's in Jimmy it. Jimmy Loads of people in it. And we're all, you know, and they were very clever the way they made it because they were, we were all bouncing off each other. Yeah. And they'd be like, do you, do you realise that so-and-so said this about that car? And you're like, what? <laughs> it, and it just came together so well. It's, it's probably one of the fav- my favourite shows to watch. Yeah, well, a lot of the magic of like successful car stuff is the personalities more than the cars isn't it like the reason like top gear was so well liked is because of the dynamic between the three not necessarily the car stuff in it like people who weren't into cars would watch for the oh for sure the dynamic it's not just a car person and it if you can find that magic you can almost apply that to any subject matter oh definitely so then to have that and have cars just makes it like the, the dream, really. It was really good. I definitely recommend watching it. And it, it was, you know... Oh, you what, would say that, though, wouldn't you? One, well, but one episode <laughs> would be the best 4x4. Yeah. One would be the best sports car. So it was literally something for everybody. And because a lot of us know each other really well, yeah. it, you know, it's like we're a family arguing. It yeah, yeah, brilliant. you don't feel like you're at work. You're just a group yeah, of people that are that. pretty close, just having a bit of a, a banter with each other. Yeah, that's it. And then talking of lockdown... So I started drawing again in lockdown. I hadn't drawn for ages because I just didn't have time. Yeah. I was doing a lot of photography and writing for the blog and the styling and stuff like that. But drawing was just, you know, it it was so time consuming. I was like, I just don't have time for it. So I didn't do it for years, years and years. And then lockdown happened and I had an iPad, which... Um, the production company had, had, had let me have because I'd used it on telly. Right, okay. And I'd started drawing it. I was like, this is really cool. And I got a program on it called Procreate, which is about £13. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I was, you know, doing, I was thinking, do you know what? I need, I feel like I should be doing something for the NHS. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I wasn't working at the time because nobody was. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do a sketch. If anybody wants it, whatever profits there are, I'll give to, to the NHS. I only had, I, I, I think I was going to do a certain amount of them. I can't remember what it was. Maybe 50, maybe 100. I can't, my memory's terrible. So I only got a few printed to start with because I didn't have much money. I was like, I don't want to outlay a load of you yeah. know, money on this. And they sold out really quickly. Amazing. So I was like, oh, that's brilliant. So I ended up making like £2,500 for the NHS. That's fantastic. Which was brilliant. And, you know, once I'd taken the costs out, which were just postage and printing, basically, I didn't, you know, obviously didn't charge for my time. And then I could donate that. And then people were asking for more. Yeah. So then I just did more and it's, it's, I've got right back into art again. So that was a really positive thing that came from, from lockdown. Yeah, I think a lot of people found 
they were forced into kind of finding who they were a bit more. Yeah, and like, a lot of creativity came out of yeah, it. Yeah, like you didn't have a choice. You had nothing else to do. Yeah. You were just kind of stuck with yourself. Do something. Yeah, um, I think it it gave a lot of people an opportunity to discover that side of them and also to kind of go, why are we going to the office five days a week? Yeah, <laughs> like, that everyone's re-evaluated, haven't they? Yeah, like the... There's a tangible culture shift yeah. in how people, the mindset around work at the minute, mm. um, which is really interesting to see. It's still kind of flexing, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh, we don't need people in the office nine to five yeah. every day because they can. I think a lot of employees found that they could trust their employees to do their jobs. Yeah. And I think that's good. because you get bored very quickly if you don't have anything to do. Yeah, so you definitely. Might as well get your job done. <laughs> absolutely it's like may as well do this yeah okay. i might as well fill that portion of my day with the job that i'm supposed to be doing because yeah. then i can afford to do the other bits exactly yeah um, but, uh... so so i i draw every day now and that and the lovely thing is i've got back into writing yeah. and i'm writing for car publications so yeah. i'm writing for mini magazine um dan bevis who is editor for that now. Yep. He was the first person to put my Cortina in any print press. Oh, I see. So That's the connection goes way me. back. Yeah. So, and it's great. So it's it's all people I've known for a really long time. Yeah. And so I do. Yeah, I do a really nice column on pop minis in pop culture. Yeah. Because that's my thing. That's what I know about. You know, from You're working just in fashion. Is what you are really, oh, I am it? not. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> but I know so much about art. The, pop art the particular art I like yeah film music like I am just a sponge that's why I said to you I've always got cartoons in the background because I need colour all the time yeah yeah and actually they're designed to be bright and vibrant really aren't they yeah exactly and um so the lovely thing now is that you know there's tv stuff going on in the background but I'm back to writing again yeah and I'm not taking photos but I'm illustrating the, the the articles so i've just done an illustration for um fast forward yeah um and that's come out of knowing jules okay because he put my e30 in fast car right i'm, so I'm gonna say he didn't put linked. the ford cortina in fast forward he no. put the e30 in fast car <laughs> yeah he put that in, in fast car which was that was the happiest moment of my life oh, I being bet. on the cover of a car magazine Having my car, you know, being like the centre pay, it was just, yeah, that was yeah. crazy. See, I have two slow cars, so I'm never getting it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it matters about speed, though. But, um, yeah, so it's really nice. So it's kind of, I've kind of gone full circle again. I'm, I'm really back into art, which is what I just, all I did when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and, and music, that was my obsession. And, you know, the thing with art is, um, which actually comes quite nicely to why we're talking... <laughs> But um, I, for a long time, I suffered with anxiety and depression. Yeah. But I didn't know what anxiety was. So I was a lot of people the... don't. No. That's a, a real big thing is learning what a lot of these things are. Yeah. You find, or I say you, I in particular find a lot of people that are on like a learning journey of what they feel. Yeah. And meeting someone like me that's like, you should talk about your feelings more. Like it really quickly opens the door yeah. to that conversation, and there's so many people that have no idea what a lot of the things are, no. and they're in the middle of going through it. Like, I'm waking up all the time, and like my heart's always racing. I yeah. get really like deep breath, and I'm always like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And it's like it sounds like you've got anxiety. Yeah, like, what's that? <laughs> like, it and it's crazy because I just thought well, that was not a very good word to use. It's crazy. Well, it kind of was, um, but I knew I had depression. Yeah, because I've had it since I was a kid. But anxiety, I literally, I did not know what that was. Mm. I, I honestly just thought it was 
you know, I didn't realise it was it affected so much. Like I used to get horrific panic attacks. Yeah. Literally thought I was dying, used to pass out, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. And that had been happening for years, and it's only literally in the last couple of years that I've kind of talked to professionals and got help. I know that that was anxiety. Yeah. I had no idea. I was like, what is wrong with me? And do you know what was he- what was helpful and what really helped me was um, listening to a podcast of this girl called Brittany Ferlin. And she, she is an influencer. And she is so vocal about her anxiety. Yeah. That I was listening. And she was just so fun and I love listening to her. And she'd say things. I'm like, oh my God, I do that. Yeah. I feel like that. I have that. And I was like, okay, maybe that's what it is. And so it's great from people talking. Yeah. You kind of have to listen, you know, with all this social media and TV and whatever else, podcasts. It, it gets in there. Thank goodness. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those where the more people or the more common just talking in general becomes, mm. the more opportunity people have to find familiarity in different ways. Yeah, definitely. So, like, it might not necessarily be anxiety. Someone could find that they have a very specific kind of thing that they thought was unique to them. Yeah. And it turns out they're, they're then part of a different thing yeah so like just off the top like say schizophrenia and hearing voices yep people might think oh i thought that's just what thoughts were and it's like no no, no. this is a different yeah. thing and because this person talked about it you now know that you have potentially got that and yeah. then you'll go and find the help like what you did with your anxiety exactly. um and one really the thing that always catches a lot of people out is schizophrenia and most multiple personality disorder are two different things yeah and knowing that difference again can help like that kind of thing. So schizophrenia is mainly hearing voices yep. and multiple personality disorder is having different personalities in your head yeah. and you you change into that person. Like yeah. um, James McAvoy in... Oh, it's such film. a good film. Well, I can't it's, think it's such a good film. And it's not Glass and it's not Unbreakable. It's the other one. And I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I can't either, but it's really good. Where, where he's like, that was Patricia. Yeah. That's multiple personality disorder. Yeah. He genuinely shifts. And there's a film called Three Faces of Eve. It okay. came out in like the 40s or the 50s. It's black and white. And it's this lady that has loads of different personalities. And it was based on a real person. Oh, wow. I think that there were 11 living inside this lady's brain. Oh, my goodness. Um, and she would shift. And they don't necessarily know each other in their own heads. Wow. And they have no recollection of what the other one's done. So she, she could change from Eve to like Stacy. Trying to get your head around that is yeah. so... It's wild. Difficult. Stacy goes and has a day, lives a life mm. as Stacy, switches back to Eve, and Eve's just lost the day, you know, in her calendar basically. And like, has she's no like, idea what no Stacey's idea what Stacy's done. done. And that's that film with James McAvoy that will come to me after we finish recording. Yeah, we'll do. You'll be on your way it. home and you'll be like, I've just figured out what it was. Yeah, I'll probably mind. have to Google it just to put my <laughs> mind at rest. That's a, that's a multiple personality disorder versus schizophrenia. Is it called split? That's the one. Yes. That makes sense. We got there in the end. Yes, split. Um, but that, again, like because not everybody knows that, yeah. someone might be going through one of those things and yeah. just might hear this podcast where I go, that's what the difference is. And they go, oh my God, I think I've got that thing. And then they go and speak to someone about it. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's that moment when you realise, I don't actually have to put up with this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This isn't how it should be. It shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. And when you kind of realise that, and then if you, you know, I always find it really hard to ask for help. Mm. Anthony's been amazing. You know, he really has been amazing. And 
because of him I got help because yeah. I'm so independent my jobs have always been so independent I've always said I don't want to get married I don't want to have children I don't want an office job I don't want you know yeah. I've always said I'm going to do things differently because I just didn't fit into any yeah. of those norms and so I was so independent and then you know I did VM which was a massively independent job and then I was doing freelance stuff which is very independent so everything yeah. i've ever done has just been very i have to be a strong person well it's not this. surprising that you've had difficulties with anxiety when the book stops with you for a lot of things like yeah. the pressure to earn a living when you're a freelance is like yeah. it's all based on me i've got to do everything yeah. like so to hear that you've had any sort of difficulties with anxiety is not not that i would expect everybody that works for themselves to be an anxious person but to hear that you've had yeah that connection is it's not like oh my god it's not unheard of as if you've had anxiety when working for yourself and having everything rely on you and being on your own all the time and making sure that all the ends meet that would i would kind of expect it like when i have moments where tacona is really busy and i still have to work my day job i start to see some symptoms that okay i acknowledge like right this is based on all this stress and all this pressure of these things all happening together yeah. And fortunately for me, my other half is a psychologist, so I can go, what I'm feeling like this at the minute. And she's like, well, that's because of that. And I'm like, okay, great. Because I, I had a thing in my day job where I was quite like paranoid that there was mm. almost some sort of conspiracy against me. Like I'd pissed someone off and they were then doing things to try yeah. and make... And she went, you know, paranoia is a sign of stress, right? She's like, if you're feeling like they're conspiring against you, whether they are or they aren't, the fact that you're feeling it more prevalently right now probably means that you're quite stressed yeah. and you should have a bit of like a check of everything that's going on okay see if you can help with that and it turns out there was a little bit of they weren't telling me something yeah and there was a lot of i'm very stressed yeah and it's having that skill set to learn how those feelings feel yeah. and go i'm feeling that that's a sign of, of that yeah so having spoken to someone professionally which i'm fortunate that i live with one yeah it's probably helped you develop like this like Batman utility belt of absolutely what I need to do when I feel in a certain way. It's a really good analogy. I like that, and and I think you you almost have to relearn yourself. Yeah, and to be like, okay, is this this is okay? But that's okay. But that bit's not. Yeah, and and you know it's it's funny because I've spent I have done cool things in my life, but it was only in the last couple of years that I can sit down and say that. Yeah. Before that, it was I was constantly what's next? What's next? What's next? And I would never live in the moment. I would yeah. never appreciate what I'd done. I would never look back and go, oh my God, that was cool. Yeah. You know, I've just been working in Nazareth. Who works in Nazareth? Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Jesus was here. <laughs> exactly. And it, you know, it, it's only, it is only in the last couple of years where I've had help and I'm on medication yeah. that I can go, oh my God, that was really cool. Yeah. And if, the 40, if my 14 year old self could see me now, I'd be like, brilliant. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's, it's just actually appreciating what i've done which i never did before yeah yeah no I, I completely agree with that um, isn't it it's i've been odd. through a similar transition and again this is thanks to my other half because my like mid teens to early 20s were chaotic mm. like really really chaotic so everything was where's the next confrontation where's the next fight where's the right. next danger it was just on like a constant state of alert yeah and you're always just trying to keep moving forward chasing it yeah and it's not necessarily that i was working towards like an exciting career or working towards a big thing or working mm. towards my dreams it was literally like i just have to keep moving yeah, yeah. otherwise something really horrible could happen or like because yeah. it was so chaotic and then 
I met my other half who is literally like the best person I've ever met. And she was like, you need to do, she calls it washing the dishes. Yeah. And it's like, just wash the dishes for the sake of washing the dishes. Yeah. She's like, I know it's a very like, washing the dishes is just a task. Yeah. But just be part of that task, be present in that moment. Yeah, okay. That's Kind so, of grounds you. Yeah, so yeah. if you're washing the dishes, you don't need to have a YouTube on, you don't need music on, you just need to be in that moment and go, I'm, I'm doing this task until yeah. it's done and I'm, I'm present in this yeah. moment. And then it allows you to kind of go, right, I've got a break point to stop and reflect. And then you can kind of go, oh, that was interesting or, oh, that was yeah. cool. And, and then for me, I had to learn how to appreciate what I was doing yeah. and what it meant. Yeah. And not be like, right, what am I moving on to? What am I moving yeah, on? What's that's... the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? I can completely understand um, that. It's so... like dropping anchor, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, right, okay. We're, we're let's having just, a rest yeah, yeah, let's just stop here. <laughs> um, so I, I'm similar. In the last maybe year or so, I've really started to feel like I kind of know who I am. Yeah. Rather than just constantly be chasing like, oh, if I do that, then I'll know who I am. Or I'll be that person. Or oh I'll my be God, that. yeah. I, I completely understand. And also, when, when I was feeling really poorly, I did have to um, not be on Instagram as much. Because I don't know about you, but I would always compare my achievements yeah. with other people. And what I've learned, and when I was really poorly, I couldn't be creative, mm. which was awful because that's my thing. But it's not surprising to hear. Yeah. Um, because of the chemicals. Exactly. So, so the, and the way I got back into being creative, you know, people talk about social media being a bad thing, but in fact, I used it as a good thing. And I, I used to just go on Pinterest and just make mood boards. Right. Just t- pick a colour that I felt I feel that colour today yeah. and just make mood boards and I know it doesn't sound like it would help but it was so therapeutic because I'd just be in the zone just making these mood boards and that got everything creative to come back yeah. which was brilliant um, and then you know and like I say in I did start drawing in lockdown but I also was sort of ill then so it, it but now I'm like literally every day I've got inspiration yeah. you know I had no inspiration yeah, no. it's hard. I think a, a big thing that isn't really acknowledged or isn't really known, it is acknowledged if it is known, sometimes like things like depression, they're not necessarily feeling sad. Mm. They're more like just not feeling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then when you're trying to be creative, you've got no like fire. There's nothing. There's nothing. That, you're not like, there's no energy coming from anything. You're just like, yep. yeah, what's yeah. the point? Yeah, yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. Um, and again, that's another thing that as more conversations like this happen, it will hopefully help people to understand that the reason that you have no energy is because you are feeling depressed because yeah. you have, there's, it's just a flatness. It's not yeah. necessarily, because to feel sad is, if you think of it as like a, like the, the traditional um, heart rate monitor thing yep. where it goes down and it goes up, to feel sad is a down, but it's a feeling. It's something, yeah. yeah. Whereas with a, a lot of depression, it, you're just in the middle. You're just on a flat. Yeah. And that can, as you've obviously experienced, that can really tangibly show up in other things, like not being able to have motivation to create oh, yeah. or having inspiration or anything like that. And it's funny because, so I, I take medication uh, yeah. for my depression and anxiety, but I also have therapy yeah. because more so for the, um, for the anxiety. Um, and it was quite interesting because... I, um, well, I, a lot of people do this, uh, block things out. So if some, if, if something's happened in their life that it, it is stressful to them or, or disturbing, whatever, 
your brain blocks it out, doesn't it? Yeah, I to, can't to remember you. several years of my childhood. Exactly. And it's not for not trying. It yeah, just no. genuinely can't remember it. That's it. But I managed to remember a whole bunch of stuff when I was having cognitive behavioural therapy, which yeah. is fantastic. And just just the fact that I could work out why. Why do I feel like this? Why is that happening? Why am I scared to do that? Yeah. That was so helpful because it, it breaks and effect, it down. Doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I can understand that. And similarly, as over the last couple of years, how this feeling myself and knowing who I am, yeah. that started to unpick some of the stuff that I can't remember. That's good. And then every so often I'll get like a little memory from then. I'm like, oh, that's why I don't like doing that. Or that's yeah. why I don't want to eat that food. Or that's why I feel like that about this topic because of that thing that I couldn't remember last time. Isn't it funny? You're like, you, you are literally learning yourself. You're learning what you've done. You're learning, you know, yeah. to be proud of yourself because I could never, ever like say, well done, Helen, for doing this. And, you know, things like putting my artwork up, I would never have done that. And it made me do that. He's yeah. like, you should put your artwork up. There's a certain like, oh, I, I don't want, I, I'm not good enough to oh, display my anything or be happy yeah. with anything that I've done. Yeah, um, and like, a lot of that can stem from childhood judgment as well. Like, yeah, it's really weird how behavioural psychology mm. in there's like there's behavioural psychology, cognitive psychology, and biological psychology, or something like that. Physiological, basically chemicals, the structure, and the things that have happened to you. Yeah, and there's a lot of like, oh, I only believe in one of the three, which is a load of bollocks. But it- because it all together. connects to each other. Like. So there's, it's really interesting to find which things stem from which part. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm this creative because the right hemisphere of my brain works more actively than the left. Yeah. But I feel like this because I've got a lack of this chemical. Yeah. And I have this experience which makes me think like that. Yeah. And they all connect to me drawing a car in a certain way with a certain colour or whatever yeah. it is. It's quite magical, really. Yeah, oh, it's, it's wild when you start really unpa- unpacking it how it all works. And I think it's, you know, when you do feel, you don't feel well, you know, you, you, you just, and like you feel, I've had that when I felt paranoid, but I, someone stalked me on the internet when That's I was it. a visual merchandiser. And that, so then I got paranoid. That was kind of the beginning of it, of yeah. me realising there was something wrong. And this was back when I was in my um, like mid-20s mid to late 20s so um, like last year then yeah oh yeah it was, re- it was really not that long ago <laughs> um and it, it but it's funny isn't it how like you were saying once you realize things you're like oh, that's why that's happening so then i don't need to be afraid of that because that's why it happened yeah and it's just unraveling piecing together and just kind of working with things that have happened and yeah we're just this big knot and we need yeah, to figure completely. out where all the strings come from like yeah. those puzzles that you had in the back of kids magazines where it's like which one leads to point a so there's lines <laughs> yeah. all over the place like, oh, this one is anxiety which one of these strings goes back to the core <laughs> exactly. was it my parents or where i lived or what i did or yeah. <laughs> there's one of them yeah. i follow that thread all the way through the mess it's funny isn't it and, it, and it's amazing how other people's actions can impact so much and then just leave a huge indent yeah. If you don't address it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, it can just stay there and cause a problem or cause an issue or cause a situation for the rest of your life until you go, right, okay, let's tackle this one. Yeah. But until you know you're poorly, how can you? Yeah, yeah. So it's if just... If you don't know that there's a lock, what's, what good is the key? Absolutely. Um, and I think there's a, a big portion of how important communication is in that message. Oh, like, and being able to talk about the causes with potentially the causes themselves yeah 
So like, like this thing that you've just done, this is how this makes me feel. Yeah. Because you unpack it quickly then. Yeah. And getting better, I'm shit at it, but getting better at acknowledging it when it's kind of occurring. So you go, can we just acknowledge that this is how I feel based on what you've just said yes. or done? Yeah. Because I don't want to have to deal with this six years later when yeah. it all comes flooding yeah. out in a in a, some sort of breakdown or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's it. Um, so have you found, because one thing that everybody needs to understand is that it doesn't go away. No. You don't, you're not fixed from depression. You, you, you're never know. cured and, oh, I'm never going to be sad again. Yeah. <laughs> have you found that talking and having these kind of skills has really made a big impact? Definitely. The, the, I mean, obviously the medication helps with the chemical imbalance. Yeah. But the, the actual therapy, you know, the lady was so lovely and it's things you can take with you and use forever and adapt to work for you. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, you, you, everyone has bad days. It's normal to have a bad day. But if you've got mental health issues, that bad day can be quite catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you say, just because you've, you've, you take a pill every day, it doesn't mean you're going to be okay all the time for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've changed so much about the way I live, the way I communicate, um, the way I do things just to try and make sure that I'm helping myself yeah. as much as possible. And, you know, just that one thing, like I just mentioned, of actually appreciating what I've done in my life yeah. and going, do you know what? I've actually done some really cool stuff. You have. That's been one of the key things. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's, I used to just literally, like you just said, be, what's next? What's next? Nothing was appreciated. I didn't think anything I did was good. Um, nothing was good enough. And it was just, it was absolutely exhausting. Yeah. And you don't get the sense of fulfilment if you're oh, always God, no. chasing something else. Because exactly. whatever you are chasing will never be enough. No, exactly. Um, and, you know, and I think when, you know, when I wasn't feeling very well, so what I used to do was look so far into the future. Mm. What, what if this, what, I need to do that. And it was so stressful because I was projecting so far. Yeah. I wasn't taking any notice of what I'd done or what I was doing like, in the actual present. And now I really try and, I'm trying to think how to word it. It's, you know, trying to, a bit of a cliche, but trying to live one day at a time. Yeah, and just kind of take stock a bit more. Take stock a bit more, live in the present a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, celebrate the past, yes, but don't don't dwell on it. Yeah. And, you know, the future can change so easily. There's no point trying to project too far because things change. So, you know, and and just realising that, as well as going, well done for doing cool stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. That has just helped enormously. I'm putting a scrapbook together of all the little things. That is such a good idea. So I that love that. When I'm old, I can look back and go, oh, I was in this magazine. I did that. And I, and I, I keep one of every T-shirt. Oh, you have to. So that I've yeah. always got at least one of everything. So I've got one of the first ever T-shirts that was printed. And it's terrible. But it's the first one, so I have to keep it. It's come. Like, that's great to be able to compare and look back. Yeah, and a lot of people do journaling, which I struggle with. And it's probably just because I'm lazy. I don't want to sit and write, Mm. like, my diary. I I like to write things. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily a diary keeper. No, me neither. But my other half and I go for a walk every day. Mm -hmm. And we unpack our day for an hour yeah I like that and that really helps like yeah because I can have something happen during my day but I know that I'm going to get to talk about it later because I can unpack it and have a conversation about it and that's another thing like 
that's probably the equivalent of writing a journal for me. Is I Absolutely. have that walk at night. Yeah. Because um, if I did write a journal, I'd never read it. So then I go, well, what's the point of me writing this? Because I'm never going to read it. And then I forget. The well, point of it is to get it out of your head and exactly. into a space. And the fact that you're doing it with someone else is really healthy because, uh, you know, a lot of it is if you do keep it inside and just keep it to yourself, it's kind it of detrimental. Yeah. It goes round and round and yeah, round. Yeah, so the yeah. fact that you can share it every day, yeah. that's amazing. It's, it's a real... It, it's. I don't think I show my appreciation for it enough. It's probably the thing that I need to work on. But I don't know. I, I have the ability to undersell myself quite a lot. Mm. And then, oh, this is crap. And someone's like, that was really cool. I'm like, oh, was it? Sorry. <laughs> I, I think that's a common thing in a lot of humans anyway. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're kind of like a creative person, which yeah, you are, yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I think that's just kind of a given and you have to get yourself out of that. No, I think you're right on that. Um, and I think the other side of... I had this conversation with Alex Goy, actually, is the imposter syndrome. That's a real big challenge to overcome. Um, it's that like oh my god I'm around all these amazing people and, and I, I, I definitely don't fit in and Alex went everybody in that room is having the same thought yep. oh completely. <laughs> like, completely I was at uh, Caffeine and Machine because I, um, I was on the Driven Chat podcast which I was like oh my god that's such a big that's they have nice like big famous well. people and this <laughs> and the other um, and we were sat in the bar at Caffeine and Machine and it was the night of I Love You Man yes so Richard Porter, who was the writer for Top Gear, and yep. he was the I Love You Man for that night, and he was on the, the podcast, which is why we did it that day. So I was in the bar with Amy Shaw, the photographer. Um, oh, she is incredibly talented. That an girl. amazing photographer and a really lovely person, and from this neck of the woods originally. Yes, yeah, she is, yeah. Um, John Marcard, who's a journalist, he does video and all that sort of stuff. Alex Goy, yeah. Richard Porter, and then me. And I was stood there going, these guys are all well-established, well-known people doing like car things for a living, and I just print T-shirts. And then I went, and I was sat there going, "That's the guy that does the mental health thing with the T-shirts." And then Richard Porter, and Richard Porter was probably sat there going, "Oh, she's a great photographer, and this guy's making oh, clothes." And he said, "Everybody's having that thought, mm-hmm. and the people that aren't having that thought are probably dickheads. So you don't really want to be yeah. with them anyway." Or sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, like, I deserve to be. I'm the best person in the room. Delusions of grandeur. Um, one question I did want to actually, I had a, in my head quite substantially because it's come up with other people I've spoken to. Mm-hmm. Being a woman within the car world is a very different experience to being me in the car world. Yeah. How have you found that? Do you know what? Since since I've sought help with mental health and I'm in a better place myself, yeah. I feel like I'm a lot... I mean, I'm in a better place to deal with it because you do have to be extremely strong in whatever you're doing. Yeah. If you want to leave a mark an imprint, carve a path, you, you've got to go that extra mile or 100 miles to make that difference. Yeah. And, you know, trying to do it in, in an industry that's predominantly maybe not what you would normally be doing yeah. is, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a little bit old-fashioned sometimes, the car industry, but it's getting better all the time. But I tell you what, you'd be really surprised at kind of like, the top levels of what is still this works Mm. let's stick with this yeah and so you know there's no real desire to look at other paths because that's working it's making the money that's working that's making money yeah so what you're trying to do over here which although that's the future 
is that it's too risky. And we'll keep the car industry going and appeal to a younger, more diverse audience. Yeah. And, you know, bring up the next generation of custom car people. We don't know. We haven't got facts that that's going to work. Yeah, we can't bang that that's going to... So we're going to go back to that old old view um and that's that's what's quite hard to tackle and you know it's almost like you need you need to find your own way to do it Mm. i don't know if i'm explaining it no carry on you're doing a good job but if if, you know if you can find a slight niche or a way that you know to approach something that someone else hasn't done yeah so you're not you're not trying to copy someone then it's a little bit easier because you're you're not direct competition yeah because you're doing something slightly different. Um, and I think because of my interests, I am, you know, I have very different interests. I, I am really mainly custom cars. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's... It's carving that alternative lifestyle for yourself. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the old classics, which I really appreciate. And I appreciate factory spec and I, I appreciate everything. So I know how much work goes into it. Yeah. But my thing is that, you know, like Tokyo with these cars with flashing lights and just like, oh, it's the, like the cartoons. Bozo stuff in, is... Yeah. It's like cartoons in real life. That's my thing. That's why I love pop art. That's why I love music. Yeah. Um, you know, I write about that now. So, so what I'm kind of looking at, which actually I think is a really good way to translate that to a younger, more diverse audience and appeal to them, is by relating the car industry, from my point of view, in pop culture. Because it's all mixed. It's all, you know, it's all relative. It's all works together. You know, everything's connected. They're not separate things completely, and I think that's where the mistakes have been in the past. Yeah, yeah. This is over here in this box. This is over here in this box. Well, and you, no. young lady, you go over you there and that. You go over there. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm quite a gobshite, so I stand up for myself. <laughs> but it gets to you after a while when, you know, you, you, you saw it, it's, it's a lot of kind of high up people. Closed door after closed going, door, I imagine. And you're like, okay, this is really hard to negotiate because how, how am I... Yeah, you know, I'm, I've I've never ever done anything normally. I fully intend to make some sort of difference here, whatever it is, yeah, even yeah. if it is just pretty pictures. So I'm not I'm not going to give up. I don't give up, and I think you know that's where you know I've got these amazing opportunities writing about cars in pop culture and you carving your your path. I hope so. Yeah, well, you clearly are. Like it's not like I stumbled upon you. <laughs> oh, you'll be quite interested. You're very clearly carving <laughs> a path. Um, and th- there's another aspect to it as someone that is well known within the like my world I have this conversation with my partner quite often mm. in that our world perspectives are completely different yeah in even like in weirdly specific things like we have a three quarter high fridge right and I'm just shy of six foot and she's yeah. just over five foot right okay so our fridge is shorter than I am by quite a lot so if she puts something on the top shelf, if I open the door, I can't see it because the top of the fridge is below my head. Yep. So I'll go, oh, where's the jam? And she's like, it's in the fridge. And I'll open the door and I'll see shelves two, three and four. Yeah. But I won't see the top shelf yeah. because my perspective is different. And I go, oh, it's not. And then she'll walk in and go, here it is and grab it straight off the top shelf because that's in her eye line. That is such a good, you're very good at analogies. It's a, it's a really weird thing. I like that. It's, 
that's purely out of reality as well. That's not even that is genuinely our fridge is only it's below my head. Yeah. So I can't see the top shelf. But then the flip side of this is she went to London with her sister recently. Mm-hmm. Now we live hundred yards away from a train station that takes you into London, and her sister lives in Luton. My partner drove to Luton, got the train with her sister, got the train back to Luton after going to London, stayed over and drove back the next day. Yeah. And I was like, why? <laughs> she went, because I can't be on the train at night on my own as a young woman. Yeah. And I was like, I hadn't even thought of that. My yeah. brain doesn't have that, like I do now, but I didn't, my brain wouldn't naturally think of those things because I'm a young guy and I'm most likely the biggest problem on that train. <laughs> like people are more likely to be scared of me than they would my partner. Yeah. And if I've got a hood up, that's it. I'm, yeah. I'm the problem here. So I don't have to think like that because yeah. I can go I can go on a train into London, come back at four o'clock in the morning, mm. and the biggest thing I might face is a mugging, and I do mixed martial arts, so I'm probably coming Just out of that one violent. okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've worked in a high-secure hospital. I know how to deal with a weapon. Yeah. Whereas she, who works in a high-secure hospital, still doesn't feel like she can travel safely. Yeah. So then if you mix into that scenario, you're well-known in the car world, which is predominantly blokes, it must potentially be quite a very daunting thing to be at events and shows with a lot of strangers that know you but you have no idea what's going through their heads yeah and, and if you haven't i'm sorry that i've just given you that thought process. no 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 it's all good no it's fine um yes and it's um i'm trying to think of i'm not very good at explaining things really but I, I love your fridge analogy. I'm going to use that. That's brilliant. I love a good analogy. But, but thinking of that, yeah. it, I, I think you're right. Just some people do not see what you see. Yeah. And, you know, it's because we're so involved in the car industry, we're on the ground with it. We're driving the cars. We're going to meets. We're talking to people. Yeah. We're on social media looking at the trends. Like, we're literally immersed in it. We're, we're at the point where things are emerging and things are going back and being reinvented. So we're in the heart of it. Yeah. You know, we, we've, in our little niches, we, we're experts really at what we do. You know, even if it is just a, 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 a subculture of a subculture of a subculture, do you know what I mean? Because yeah, that's yeah. what happens with it. Um, and people just don't see it because they're not, they are higher up. Yeah. Or they are in a different kind of place. So they don't see it. Um, and I think, you know, that's what makes it so hard Mm. because there's the good old fashioned sexism, which is where my ability to be a gobshite comes into, um, you know, fruition. I just say, you know, do one. Um, but then when, when you kind of hit it at another level where, you know, I've been actively put down, Mm. but that's not just for being a woman. I've been actively put down for being tattooed and being alternative in the car industry you've been told you're not alternative enough and now you're being told that you're too alternative is it crazy yeah and you're like i can't win either way oh my goodness so it's just you know you can roll your sleeves up i have no problems with tattoos oh no it's only because i'm cold (laughs) that's actually my tattoo arm anyway but um and it it all comes back to the box thing which you said before it's like if it can't be put in a box a lot of people don't understand it yeah they can't they're like they're scared of it they, oh, it's a bit 
what's going on? Put it in a box, keep it there, shove it over there. We can understand the box. Yes, the, bo- the box keeps it, you know, nice and we neat. We can stack boxes. Exactly. They're, it's nice and neat and they all work together. Exactly. Oh my God, you're the king of analogies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's what I think is actually the hard bit. Yeah. You know, it, it's not, the whole sexism thing is just like, oh, whatever. I, is there also a challenge that everyone and their mum DMs you like, oh my God, you're attractive. Is that become a factor into a lot of the things that you do i do get i get hundreds of dms a day god i could not imagine living life like that <laughs> and um I, I don't is, reply to like three <laughs> it's a nightmare and i don't i don't reply as a rule i don't reply to them yeah unless it's somebody who they're like you know i have to read them all in case somebody really genuinely wants it's a favor an actual or, message. yeah absolutely yeah. So, you know, they're like, oh, you know, um, my our daughter's suffering with a little bit with this, but she really likes cars and the fact you're doing cars. That... So then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm an inspiration to this person. Fab, let's do Lean something. Send her some prints, send her a message, whatever it is. So I feel like I, don't I have... say send them some prints because now everyone's going to message me. <laughs> oh, my daughter that doesn't really exist is not doing to your... Yeah, that, that. that T-shirt that you did, oh, I really liked that one. She'd love that. Yeah, that's a rookie mistake, wasn't it? But... No, you, you genuinely are outreaching to people. So yeah, you do have so, to read so I have to check through all the messages just in case somebody genuinely, yeah. you know. Um, but this comes back to my fridge analogy in that your life perspective is I'm receiving all of these messages and I have to live my life in this way because that's what it's like for me to be who I am. Yeah. Versus my life perspective of, oh my God, someone I don't know has DM'd me. That doesn't happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's never because of how I look or who I am. It's always like, oh, cool T-shirt, or like, I like your car, or something like yeah. that. There's nobody going, oh, you're really fit. I'm going to hassle you until you respond. And then if you don't respond, I'm going to send you horrible, nasty messages saying that you're not attractive. To be fair, I don't get that. Do you not? No, which is, which I'm... Uh, That's, that suggests that the people that you are, that are finding you are the right people. Yeah, which is fantastic. We, as the three of us goblins, in the beginning, we we had a lot of negativity towards what we were doing yeah and it was a lot of it was on the forums and things like that and i actually came off facebook because i think it's a bit of a toxic platform it's quite old-fashioned it's run on engagement Mm. and negative engagement always wins Wins. yeah so it just feeds into it more and more this is crap this is crap this is and then more people go oh my god that's so controversial Yeah. yeah and that's entirely how it runs exactly and instagram to me i'm visual so instagram and i've i've very very rarely had problems and i just block people if yeah. they're really nasty or you know probably working in a troll farm just block them but um and that but that was at the beginning yeah um and then what we found was as we progressed and kept going with it and went to shows and met people and talked to people yeah you know the people who watched what we did and could identify what we did was so fantastic they would actually jump on the trolls and be like, get out of here. So, yeah, they, yeah. you know, they'd almost like have our backs, which is so nice. That's amazing to hear. Yeah, it's lovely. And, you know, the the amount of people I've met that are just so fantastic and the fact they want to show me a picture of their car and it's just like, oh, my God, I want to cry right now because the fact they want to share that and they're so proud of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what car it is. And they care about what your thoughts yeah. are. Yeah, well. oh, that I still cannot get my head around I'm like why do you care what I think yeah yeah but it, it's just so nice I've really met some incredible people amazing yeah. and that's it's really reassuring to hear that in particular because I think you might technically be the, I say technically you either are or you aren't the first female guest that I've had oh really and that's not for lack of trying it's no. logistically yeah, it's it not because happens. I am just a bloke 
Yeah. I'm like, oh, I only want to talk to men. And I don't want my girlfriend to think I'm trying to chat up women because she doesn't think that anyway. And I wouldn't try and do that either way. But I'm very conscious that I don't want to become male focused. Yeah. And that's not the reason why I'm talking to you. I think you're very interesting Thanks. and you do some cool stuff. And I have no, like, I'm not seeing the gender thing as my reason for talking no. to people. But you are my first female guest. So I don't have much experience in the other side and learning that yeah. perspective to the same degree. Yeah. There's a couple of reasonably well-known like um, women that I have um, like followed, followed on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like yeah. that. Like Amy Shaw, for example. Yeah. But it's much harder to have that kind of conversation over Instagram than it is yeah. having a nice chat with someone. Oh, definitely. Um, so I'm going to text them and go, oh, you're getting loads of DMs. <laughs> People trying to send you dick pit. It's, like, it's a really awkward text to send. Yeah. I'm just trying to learn what it's like from That's your perspective. That's weird in itself. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, why? Are you trying to send me on? No, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're getting them all the time, I'll jump in on the band <laughs> And it, do you know what's really nice is when I do get... Um, oh, I don't want to... Oh, that's okay. It'll be fine. When I do get messages from girls, because it's... I, the girls can be very competitive. Yeah. And all I want to do when a girl communicates with me is just... Oh, I just want to... I know how hard it is um, from an anxiety point of view, from, from, from like paranoia of how you look point of view. Yeah. Um, just to try and reassure them and be like... You know, if someone's doing well... Now that I feel better, yeah. if someone's doing well, I go out of my way to tell them. Yeah. I'm like, you are winning at life. Well done. Because like, I just feel like people should be told. Yeah, there's a real difficulty. Not put down. That, and then there's a real difficulty with that where people think you're being disingenuous. Yeah, but look. And you're I, like, no, I just, I am glad to see someone doing something yeah, exactly. good. <laughs> That's the problem. It's always suspicion. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, which is, again, like a real indicator of our society and that you can't tell someone well done without people going, oh, you're just jealous. I'm yeah. like, oh, what do you want? Yeah. I, I could not give a shit. I've got no. my own things going yeah. on. I'm too busy to care what your yeah. opinion is. That's it. I've got this funny thing where I, I really like the Jag F type. Yeah. Um, and if I, but if I see one in a convertible, Right. Especially in white. I get really angry. So if I see an F-type that's in a really nice colour and they've gone for, you know... Something interesting. Something interesting. It, it is, it's the proper hard top. It's the coupe. It's the R version. I literally yell at them. Yeah. You're winning at life. What do you think about the spoiler that they put on the new shape SV one with the little arms that come to, like it's like molded but not molded yeah i know exactly what it's you almost mean. got like little support stuff so I, I test drove one a couple of years ago okay as a potential replacement for the gt86 and then i realized i can fold the back seats down in the gt86 and yeah. fill it with stuff and take it to shows so then the f-type fell off my list as much as i like them and i went out in the v6 which is the wrong one i should have gone in the v8 okay but they didn't have a v8 and Anyway, but they had one with that little spoilery thing. Yeah. Like, oh, this is the new one. I went, oh, I don't like that spoiler. I don't like spoiler. And I don't it, think it needs it. Yeah, and they're going, oh, he seemed like offended, like he was the guy that drew it. <laughs> I was like, I just don't like the spoiler. I wouldn't have that one because it's got that spoiler. And the spoiler's like flat. Yeah. It's like they've put like a surfboard on the back or a snowboard. and then It's almost like an afterthought. Yeah, I, I really don't like it. And apologies to anyone that's got one, but I don't like the spoiler on it. Yeah. And I want your opinion because you, you're an actual car opinion yeah, person. Look at the, if you a spoiler on my BMW out there, I'm probably not the best person well, to When I got here, I sent a photo of that to my friends. Oh, like, straight away, I was like, oh, look at this, this is so no, cool. you should let me let the air down because it's up high at the minute. I, I think it was more the wide body and the wing that they cared about. <laughs> and, and then uh, Ant comes in and goes, by the way, your paint's fucked. Your paint, oh, I got it from the back, we're safe. 
Um, actually, so the guy that runs the cafe that we do coffees and cars in Silverage with, him and I are starting a YouTube series. Okay. Under the umbrella of the back roads, the guys that are like the car throttle guys, that they're yeah. on their way up to car throttle level. But we're, we're kind of earlier in this journey. So we're going to have like a playlist where we have someone come into the cafe and we like interview them a little bit. I'm really yeah, sorry. It's okay. I'm surprised that didn't happen before. There's a fly in here. She's oh, now going to go crazy. If I can see it, I'll get it. It's up there right in the... <laughs> no, Moles. Oh, There's literally nothing I can do that's unless fine. I kill the fly. Or the dog. Which... kill you. I could put that outside. <laughs> it's okay. If we can find the fly, we'll there. have a go at the fly. Oh, it's on the window as well. Let me pick her up. No, 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 no. no. This, this is going wrong. Come here. No, 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 no. If I pick her up, she'll stop. No, there we go. It's um, all just an attention ploy, really. I'm going to have to just finish this interview. Oh, chat. Not chat. interview. It's chat. not an interview. I'm standing up. Um, um, okay. What were we talking about before so we talked about I was about to invite you onto this little video series. Oh, cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so when the car's mobile again when the radiator's sorted yes. you come down to see your friend who's just up the road yeah or you come to coffees and cars yeah the whole idea is we do a, a segment in the cafe because that's what he runs and that that makes a lot of sense and then we do a segment where i'm in the car with the person okay and it's just like a, a 10 minute video to go look how cool this fucking car is yeah this is the person that did it yeah but we're trying to do it with interesting stuff yeah. so we're using coffees and cars as our, our like starting because we do that every month so we can just ask someone to come down or who is there. Yeah. And then we can do it while we're there. That's a good idea. Because it, it kind of utilises the time as well. Yeah, definitely. The location. Um, but that thing's really fucking cool. And it would be a great one <laughs> to have on. very problematic, but I do love it. Uh, I drive a 1985 Renault 5. <laughs> the, the radio turns off if I indicate. Like Stuff like this is common. Um, but no, I think this kind of predates the launch of that channel. Starting. Okay. <laughs> but... I very much wing most of my life. Um, but yeah. That yeah, that was, sounds great. That was on topic for what we were talking about. To be fair, that seems like we've kind of reached quite a nice natural like rounding up yeah. of where we're at. The only thing I haven't asked is what what are you doing? Well, obviously, your website's got all your prints and doing custom, and your drawing and designing. Yeah. What else are you doing or what else are you doing in the future? So I, can't, I guess I've kind of covered it. I'm, I'm trying to write for more yeah. um, car magazines and, and, and it is all about trying to carve that path yeah. um, in that little niche that I'm interested in so car, cars relating to popular culture specifically custom cars and trying to get a younger more diverse audience interested in the scene so that it can keep going Yeah, that's my main aim so f- f- with that I'm trying to write more do illustrations um, you know do things on social media is always connected to that yeah um, I've written a couple of car shows that are very, very different to what is out there. Again, with the same... Do you hear that shot? It's really loud. I can hear the shots. The fly is behind you now. Okay. So if my eyes are moving around, it's because I'm tracking the fly so that the dog doesn't so kick off again. Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep holding on. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's all revolving around trying to... You carve know, that path. Carve that path, get more people interested. And, you know, just... Make people understand that cars are linked to so much. They're not just... Yeah, I think that's a a real... Transport. Yeah, it's a really important thing to be conscious of for a lot of people. Because a lot of people who aren't interested in cars don't realise that. 
Yeah. They don't realise that it's people's social life, it's their careers, it's the things that they do when they're in a difficult place. Like Definitely. Working on your car is almost like a form of mindfulness sometimes. Oh, God. Until it yeah. goes wrong and it's the most aggravating thing in the world. Um, but it, it is so much more than just transport. Yeah. And it's not acknowledged in like general life no. as much as it really should be. And I think if, you know, if that connection's made, um, then more people will be interested because they're like, oh, I didn't think of it like that, you know? So Yeah, exactly. Like a, a big thing of why Tacona exists is to help people acknowledge that to a certain extent and to use how prevalent cars are in people's lives as a connecting factor. Yeah. Um, like there's a, a thing that I kind of tried to start and it's not the right time for it yet until this is much more established called Auto Mindful. Uh-huh. And the concept of it is the things that you do with your car are good for your brain. So it would be like a range of car cleaning supplies, some tools and some specific like driving shoes and gloves and things yeah. that help create the activities that are like mindfulness. I like so that. working on your car for several hours yeah. is a very task-focused, specific thing with an end goal in sight, which falls within the kind of the parameters of mindfulness. Similarly with cleaning your car or going on a track day or driving it. So the, the idea of the sub-brand would be to create the things that help enable those activities. Yeah. And it's just to acknowledge that what you do with your car is good for you. Absolutely. It's not just transportation. No, it's not. And, and that's the point. And I love the fact that you're highlighting that because cars are so important to yeah. people. They, you know, and they, they bring people together. They're common ground. They, they are, you know, not, yes, they're transport. You know, it might be, you know, when you first started learning to drive, that's your first taste of freedom. They just, they're so impactful yeah. and they're so important. And culturally, you know, from a mental health point of view, just just in our lives and yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're in pop culture a lot. They're, they're diversified in media and massive subcultures and yeah, music. It, it impacts every way, and they're a way of expression. And the reach is huge, and it yeah. it, it it kind of filters into so many yeah. aspects of life, and and that's what I I'm trying to express through my writing, through the shows I've written, and through my social media. But that's what I'm trying to battle to get out there yeah. on screen. It's not easy to try and get that message across because it's not proven. No, it, it doesn't fit in it's the box. It's not tried and tested. So, um, I I, uh, I approached a car manufacturer with a, p- a potential piece of PR just purely because I thought it was a good idea. And the response that I got was, we need to be able to statistically work with it. We need yeah. to know impact, numbers, reach, things yeah. like that. I was like... It's quite hard to do that because it's taking a thing to a place where there may be this many people, but you've no idea until you get there. Yeah, exactly. So how can I position that to your accountants or makes whatever? It hard. It yeah, that's it. It makes um, it hard. So then you're stuck limited to working within the parameters of the social media marketers or the, the public relations team or the people yeah. that are putting on, right, we've got budget has to equate to reach. Yeah. And that will mean spend by customers. You know, like, yeah. Not necessarily, because I could send, I could see a thousand really engaged people, yeah, and they'll all buy one. Or I could yeah. see ten thousand not very engaged people, and none of them will buy oh, one. Oh, absolutely! But your metrics say to go to that one and not to that one. Um, so I can only imagine that that is scaled even bigger when you're trying to create yeah. something in media. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. But, uh, no, it's it's been a really really good chat. I've loved chatting with you. You definitely have to come back. 
Of course. Come back with your girlfriend. Oh, we'll go for dinner. And... I definitely think I'm going to get on with her and we, we will go for dinner. You're... I want you to be on my podcast as well. You're probably going to love her more than I do. <laughs> she, you and her are right up each other's like um, interests. And I told you, we got past an hour and we talked about mental health after the hour mark. Did I said I've... before, if we get to the hour to mark, that. when we get, it's anybody that's listened to more than one of these podcasts, if it gets to the hour mark, the mental health conversation starts to like work its way in. Yeah. Because it's much easier. Because the first hour effectively is establishing the dynamic. Yeah. And after that, the fact that I'm very comfortable with talking about mental health. Yeah. I think is the reason that the barrier is easier to oh, breach. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And after an hour, that's when it starts to flow yeah. much smoother into mental health. And case in point, we're at an hour and a half. And we've talked about mental health oh, after an hour. I've literally chewed your ear off for an no, hour. That's fine. To be fair, I have that thing in my head where I'm like, you're talking too much. Let this person talk because that's <laughs> the reason people are listening. Nobody really wants to listen to you talk to someone. They want to hear someone talk to you. I like your analogies. <laughs> yeah. I'll send any analogies I come up with in the future. Yep. I'll just send them direct. Just text them over. No, but genuinely, Helen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It's been great. Before I click end on record, let people know where they can find you. My main kind of platform is Instagram, yeah. and I'm Helen Stanley official. Lovely. So that's that's kind of the main thing, really. And then, yeah, the programs I've done are all on Discovery Quest. Perfect. Well, that's where you can find Helen. If you're listening to this, you pretty much know who I am, so I don't need to go through to Kona official. Um, and I'll end it there. If I can find the button. <laughs>